All right, second string podcast, we're back. This episode is going to sound like it starts twice because this first part I'm doing right now, I did not plan on doing today. I did not plan on doing it. It's Tuesday night. I got Peaky Blinders going on in the background. Phenomenal show, one of the best shows ever made, still airing. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's incredible. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little juiced up. I just watched Michigan kick the absolute shit out of Wisconsin. And that's what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes. It might only be five. Maybe it'll be 10. Not long. Um, And then we'll do MSU for 30. And then probably around the 40-minute mark, I'd say, we're going to get into The Bachelor. Watched episode two today as well. Thought it was good. Didn't, not you know, not a ton happened. But here I am. It's The Bachelor. I mean, I'm going to fucking talk about it. I don't skip Michigan State games. I don't skip Lions games. So I'm going to talk about The Bachelor. Um Michigan, though, just absolutely curb-stomped Wisconsin. For the the people counting at home, Wisconsin's the team that fucking beat MSU's ass on Christmas. Ranked, They were ranked like seven, Michigan was nine, and Michigan literally just – I turned it off. They were up by like 45 or something, and I turned it off. They literally just pooped on them. Like, it, it was not even like varsity against the JV. That was like varsity against the fucking – third grade like kindergarten team it was it was they weren't they didn't belong on the same floor it was absurd michigan all of a sudden that's the first like not folks i turned it off before i was over since it was such a bloodbath but that's like the first almost full game i've watched of michigan all year why is not i mean now everyone's gonna start talking about them but why has everyone not been talking about these guys like i know dickinson's just been asserting his dominance those guys looked like a fucking nba team tonight they really did they i literally i swear to god i don't know if i remember them missing a shot like i swear to god i don't remember that and dickinson wasn't even like the guy tonight Dickinson, it was like, hey, Hunter, have a night off, buddy. Like the rest of us are going to score a million points and not let Wisconsin score. That's the other thing. That's They just did what I go to sleep every night wishing Michigan State would do. They just put Wisconsin in a straight jacket and gave them bull tranquilizer for the entire 40-minute game. Wisconsin didn't look like they've ever practiced before. Wisconsin's like when you go to your little cousin's soccer game and there's nobody holds formation, and they all just chase the ball around. That was like Wisconsin just did a basketball version of that. It was fucking pathetic. It was the varsity team against like the Special Olympics fifth grade elementary basketball team. It didn't. It, they didn't look like they were doing the same thing. It was like Alabama and Ohio State. They didn't look like they were playing the same sport. Um, I'm officially scared of Michigan. Can I say that? I, I'm a state guy. I fucking hate Michigan. I hope they lose literally every single game they ever play in any sport. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's basketball. I don't care if it's their quiz bowl team. I hope they get absolutely annihilated in whatever they do. I, I really do hope so. Unless it's like solving world hunger or fixing coronavirus or something. Then, like, let's hope Michigan does well. Outside of that, outside of real-world issues, I hope they get absolutely destroyed. I hope they get the, the floor cleaned with them. Um, but that being said, I'm officially scared. I credit where credit's due. I'm not a fucking liar on here. I'm an honest guy. I, I'm a, it ain't much, but it's honest work. I'm a hardworking blue collar guy. I kind of am a blue collar because I installed siding and windows for like two summers. So suck on my balls for that one. But I'm, a, I'm afraid of Michigan now. 
it's weird because on one hand, I kind of want State to play him because for the first time in a long time, it's going to be Michigan, like a really good, everyone's pumping him up, everyone's sucking him off, Michigan team, like, uh-oh, Final Four, oh, this might be Michigan's best team yet, uh-oh, like everyone's kind of now, we're starting to get the Michigan hype. They should be third in the country. They're a Final Four team, all that shit for Michigan. And State is going to be quite the opposite. State now, it's like, will these guys break 60 ever again? Are they going to make the tournament? Does Izzo understand how rotating bigs works? Does he understand how defense works? They're in two very, very different places. And traditionally, while since B-line, Michigan basketball has been much better, no doubt. But even through a lot of those years, and then obviously before him, it's been the opposite, where every year it's like, oh, is this the state team? Is this the state team that does it? Oh, are they a Final Four team? that We know they're really good. And then Michigan, you're like, they, they could be pretty good. I don't know. Like, maybe. Or they can't figure it out. Like, the roles are reversed for the first time in a long time. Where MSU is going to go in the heavy underdog. MSU, no one's going to – everyone's going to count us out. MSU, no, Michigan's the third best team in the country. No chance State wins that game. So on one hand, obviously I'm scared because they could just beat us by 70. But on the other hand, that might be exactly what State needs. Now it sucks because the game's like a month away. So we got our shit to figure out before then as MSU fans. But, but I kind of like the idea of playing a Michigan team that everybody's on. Izzo's, we got nothing to lose. Underdog. It's a tale as old as time. MSU, whether it's football, basketball, who cares? Underdog mentality. Everyone's counting us out. They're saying, are we going to make the goddamn tournament? And they're saying Michigan to crown them Final Four already? Brother, we're still Michigan State basketball. Like, that's disrespect. That's what I want, though. I want us to be disrespected going into that game. I want the guys in MSU's locker room to be like, damn, people really think we're this ass. Because maybe that's what State needs to figure their shit out. Maybe they need to play their arch rival and say, I don't care if they're if it was the dream team over there. I don't care who they got. It's Michigan, Michigan State. We're about to play our nuts off, and we're going to beat these guys. So one hand, we might get killed by all of the points. On the other hand, this might wake up State a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to wake us up and we kill them and go on to win the natty. No. But it might do us a little like, we kind of remember who we are type thing. Like some of these guys are like, okay, shit, this is MSU. Like I got to stop worrying about, oh, maybe I've been playing poorly. Maybe the fan base is toxic on Twitter. I don't know what kind of shit they say, but stop worrying about all that. Figure it out and play some ball. So I'm kind of interested. I enjoy, I enjoy the fact that when we do play Michigan this year, they're going to be a good team. Like we know we're playing the real fucking deal. And I like that more likely than not, unless we go on some kind of crazy streak here for the next month, more likely than not, we're probably going to be like, oh, man, these guys kind of suck. Like state who? State who? They stink this year. Are they going to make even the NIT? So I kind of like how, obviously, I'd rather be undefeated, the number one team in the country cruising. I'd rather be in Michigan spot where we're going to win the Big Ten and everything, obviously. But, but spin zone positive side of things i like that michigan's doing it because hopefully what they're doing gives us a kick in the ass like a little bit i feel like that makes sense right like when you see your main competitor putting in work 
you, it makes you want to be like, oh, they're doing that. Well, shit, I got to go do this then. Hopefully, that's that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Just my thoughts making myself feel better about the fact that Michigan looks like they might win a natty and state looks like they're going in the opposite direction. Just my thoughts making myself feel better. But back to Michigan. Team's nuts. I don't know. This Chaundy Brown guy's like a physical specimen. He looks like an NBA player. That Mike Smith dude made like 50 jump shots. It felt like Hunter Dickinson's taller than everybody and can score. Who else? Wagner is there. Henry, where he's just everywhere, tipping, steals, blocks, you name it. The guy's everywhere. Um, Their team's fucking good. The guys that come off the bench, like, well, Eli Brooks plays, but Zeb Jackson, Johns, like the guys that, that come off the bench and stuff too, they can play. Livers is still there. He can play. Like everybody, their first like eight, nine guys just are all very good basketball players. They all are guys who are not afraid to have the ball in their hands. They're not afraid to go to the rim and create for themselves or look for a pass. They're not afraid to get fouled. They're not afraid. They're like, they all, and this is what state's missing too. All those guys, all the guys, the the main dudes Michigan plays, the guys they count on every single night, all those dudes know that they're the shit. All those dudes go into the gym every night and they look like it against Wisconsin and they're like, I'm better than the guy guarding me. I'm going to score every single time if I want to. Or I'm going to get past them and someone's going to get a wide open shot and they're going to hit it because that's just the vibe this Michigan team's on. I wish we had one dude like that. Aaron Henry's kind of the only guy close to that. All five of these guys are like, they look like in their heads, like, give me the ball. I'm going to put it in the hoop and then we're all going to go home with a 50 point win. That's how it, it felt watching them. Like they knew they were better. They wanted to prove that they were better and they did prove that they were better. It was honestly. I wanted him to lose, obviously, but it was like refreshing watching a team because that's what state's supposed to be. That's what we have been. We usually are the team that has Cassius Winston, and he's like, oh, well, I'm just better than everybody else. So I'm going to either score enough or get open shots for other people enough until we win because we're just better. Like we're Michigan State. I'm Cassius Winston. They have those guys now. We don't have those guys. They have those guys. We have barely one guy that's like that. Hogard still is kind of figuring it out. I thought Rocket would be like that where he's like, I'm the man. Just give me the ball and get out of my way because I'm literally unstoppable. My nickname's Rocket. You think a college kid, you think a dude who's going to calculus class on his Tuesday nights is going to stop someone named Rocket? No chance. But Rocket hasn't been that guy. The bigs, Hauser's been okay, started off hot, hasn't been great. I thought Hauser would be like that. Just give me the ball and I'm going to score a ton. He's kind of cooled off. Gabe, I don't know what his deal is. He doesn't really play anymore, I guess. Izzo, I don't know. Oh, but man, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch, and then our arch rivals are like exactly what I wish we were. Just play their whole – everything they do well starts from their defense. Their defense is great. They lock teams down. They make them want to quit playing. I wanted Wisconsin to quit playing because I was like, Jesus, this is fucking embarrassing for anybody who's ever attended Wisconsin. They make you want to quit with their defense, and then it leads to offense. And on offense, they all look like they want the ball. There's nobody scared. There's nobody that's like, oh, shit, this dude can guard me. No one even like has the thought that they can be guarded. It, you could put literally LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, Jonathan Isaac, I don't know, the best defensive NBA players in the world out there, and I still think this Michigan team would be like, okay, this fucking LeBron guy is supposed to stop me? Not a chance. That's just it. That's like the wavelength these guys were on. So 
Good one for Michigan. Just wanted to talk about him. I know I'm obviously not a Michigan guy, but it's a Michigan Detroit based podcast. Like we'll give them some love here and there. Like when they, when they deserve it, I'm not going to say, Oh, I can't, I hope Michigan wins. No, I hope they lose their next 50 games now that I, that everyone thinks they're like the, the christened team. I hope they lose all their games, but I just want to talk about it. We'll talk about how they murder kids. They That's the other thing, too. They don't just, like, beat teams. They're fucking killing everybody, killing them, removing their will to play basketball. But all that being said, Michigan's been great. Number three team. They're killing everyone. All that said, it is, it is going to be a glorious day when this basketball team inevitably screws the pooch because you want to know why? Because they're Michigan. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's basketball. They're Michigan. They can't get it done. You think a Michigan team's going to get it done? No fucking way, man. And I don't know if it's going to be in the final four, in the finals, elite eight, <laughs> ideally a little bit sooner, round of 64, round of 32. I don't know when it's going to come. Maybe they'll go on a massive skid in Big Ten play, but when it does, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch this Michigan fan base that, decided they liked basketball two years ago, turn on this team. It's going to be hilarious. In the meantime, they've been great. Credit to Michigan. I'm happy for them. But, oh, man, it's going to be marvelous when this thing crashes down. It is going to be so gorgeous to watch, man. Uh, I I literally can't wait because you know what's going to happen. It's like I don't know if I'm poisoning my own mind because of the Harbaugh. Because Harbaugh in football, it's literally real. You could switch Alabama and Michigan's roster. Michigan would still lose like four games in conference play. It's just the Harbaugh effect. It's it's like a mix. I don't know what it's more of. Because I think it is a mix of just like Michigan, just the Michigan like, I don't want to say arrogance because it's so cliche, but Michigan just like anointing themselves and everything every year crossed with like the Harbaugh effect of like who kind of encourages that. Who's got it better than us? when like everyone has it better than them. I feel like that obviously less to basketball because Harbaugh's not involved, but I think the Michigan thing and at least their fan base still translates where it's like, oh, anoint them, final four, best team ever, Juwan championship in year two, all that stuff. And then it's like, oh, wow. Oh, they just, it's Michigan. You didn't think they were actually going to win, right? It's Michigan. Come on. So I am looking forward to that day, but like I said, if it comes in a Final Four and Natty, obviously still an incredibly successful season, especially if they win the Big Ten and we'll see what happens in the Big Ten tournament. No doubt. No doubt. They can still have a wildly successful season without winning at all. But no way they win at all. And when it does come to a screeching halt, it's going to be hilarious. I hope I hope there just comes a day, like a little spurt in Big Ten play where they lose like two or three in a row. And all of a sudden, all these Michigan Twitter fans are like, holy shit, Juwan Howard's like the worst coach and everyone, they do what we do at State where people, idiots and morons are like fire his own shit. I can't wait to watch that. Obviously, it's annoying to watch when it's State because I'm like, hey, you're an idiot. But watching the Michigan fan base eat themselves is going to be very funny. All right, that's all I got on Michigan. Quick break and then uh, about 30 minutes on State Hoops, the state of the state. Not good. Not good, especially when you compare them to what I just was talking about, Michigan steamrolling teams. And then after that, so like the 46-minute mark, Bachelor Talk. All right, break, and I'll be back. Welcome back to the Second String Podcast. 
I totally, I just realized the bachelor, the bachelor was on yesterday and I just didn't watch it, which kind of fucking sucks because I don't know. I should probably do like a bachelor segment. I actually might, I might, I might, I was going to just record all, all right now in this one sitting, but I'm going to do state hoops. We're going to just talk through it. We're going to let out some feels talk with the adjustments. I'm going to try to not get super angry, but I probably will anyways, because it's so goddamn frustrating to watch. But yeah, I think, I think that's the plan today. I'm going to do half right now, half the podcast right now, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, just talking some hoops. And then we'll come back with some bachelor talk. I think that's the plan, but, and then tomorrow Thursday, it'll be a Red Wings deep dive. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's going to be good. Um, first things first, what the hell happened in that Michigan state game? So they, they played Purdue this past weekend on Friday, I think. Yeah. Friday. Um, what the fuck guys, Michigan state. I said it before the game. I made a little video trying to be funny. Oh, let's get all, let's feel good. Let's win. Michigan State, I said there's not two there's not a combination of things on planet Earth that's better than Michigan State hoops and Friday night. Maybe the only thing better is maybe Michigan State hoops and a Saturday. That's the only thing. MSU was cruising. We just beat Rutgers ass. Rutgers is a good team. Don't like get it twisted. Rutgers is a good team. And we beat their fucking ass. Okay. I was like, Purdue stinks. It's the only time we struggle with Purdue's and Mackey. I was like, no chance we lose this game. We're starting to get our rhythm. We're starting to get our feel. We get to three and three. Now we're back to neutral. Everyone's feeling good. We're back to being MSU. We get back to three and three for the Iowa game. And then we go. And then we we resume our march to the NCAA tournament. We resume our march to winning four straight Big Ten titles. We resume our march to all these things. What the shit happened, man? What the shit happened? I watched that game. The first half, like it was, a, it was a beatdown. We beat them into a bloody pulp in the first half. No other way to put it. It was like the juicer. You ever? What was that? Was it Drake and Josh, the juicer, or iCarly? You remember what I'm talking about, though? The lady, she's the new girl at school, and she just comes around and turns everything into a juice. She takes, she takes like almonds or takes like, I don't know, hard objects, like a baseball, for instance, and turns it into juice. That's how much she beats their ass. She juices everything. We were juicing Purdue in the first half. We took them, we wrung them out like a wet towel and we were absolutely juicing them. There's no other way to put it. We were juicing them. I thought at the end of that first half, it was like 30, I think it was 31 to 16. I was like, oh man, we were no 31 points isn't a ton of points. So like the offense wasn't humming, but our defense, again, we were right back to what we started the year as the team that would shut, shut out the Los Angeles Lakers. It was Aaron Henry flying around, blocking shots, stealing balls. Marcus Bingham, eight feet tall, swatting everything, jump shot, swat, layup, swat, floater, swat. Guy was blocking everything. Langford hitting some shots. Henry was making some offense happen, hitting a couple jumpers again. Rocket Watts hit a floater or two. The offense wasn't cooking. We're not putting up numbers necessarily, but we're scoring some points. We're, we're doing what we need to do on offense. We were doing what we need to do. 
We were getting some decent looks. We were knocking down some shots. Like that's all I can ask for. But the defense is what our defense needs to be. The defense fucking put these guys like an insane person in a straitjacket. They just couldn't move. Like Michael Scott without the key. They they had nowhere to go. They couldn't score. Outside shot didn't matter. They were missing every three. Inside didn't matter. That big dude, Travion Williams, who's like the incredible hawk, was in foul trouble. It didn't fucking matter. The first half, it the first half was a literal clinic on how you're supposed to play defense. Like literal clinic. When you have like the fourth grade, oh, the the high school coach comes to your elementary school and shows the kids like this is how you play defense, guys. He's gonna just show a video of the first half of that game and show a video of Michigan State not like making it hard on Purdue, literally disallowing Purdue from scoring, disallowing them. Like 16 points is like middle school basketball scores. That's like whoever had six points in that half, it's like, damn, that guy went fucking crazy, and he had six points. That's like middle school stat line shit. We were holding these guys to middle school numbers. Going into halftime, I'm sitting there. My friends and I were already celebrating. We're like, oh, my God. This game's over. We're up 31-16. They can't do anything on offense. Marcus Bingham, Travion Williams, that other seven-foot-four guy who plays hockey, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We were just shutting them down. And if we keep making some shots here and there, it's going to be okay, guys. Oh, my God. And that is that was not further from the truth in the second half. One thing before I guess now we get into the angry part, the what the fuck, Tom Izzo, why are you such an asshole? I don't mean that. I love Izzo, but like he kind of blew the game. Uh, he did blow the game. I don't know why I said kind of. He did blow the game by making no sense with any of his rotations. But that guy on Purdue, that like 7'4 guy, I think his name is Edie or Eden, his last name. I think it was Edie. Like 7'4, super thin dude. Uh, the montage, they showed like a montage. If you watch the game, they're like, this guy, he plays hockey. He plays baseball. Obviously he plays basketball. And they showed like a montage of this kid playing all the sports. What that was the weakest highlight tape I've seen in my entire life. And I've seen some weak ass highlight tapes. I went to a high school. Our football team had kids that thought they were going D one that were fucking garbage that were making weak ass highlight tapes on huddle. I've watched a lot of weak tapes. This guy's hockey highlight tape was just him skating. He just he didn't have a puck. He didn't shoot the puck. There was no one else on the ice. It was just him holding a hockey stick skating. What the hell kind of highlight tape is that? What? We're, we don't have any in-game action? Like, why is that supposed to – am I supposed to be impressed? I can do – does that mean I play hockey now? I can skate and hold a hockey stick? Does that mean I play hockey? What the hell is that? And then his baseball one might have been even more embarrassing. Baseball, it's like hockey, okay, I understand. A, 7-4 being a hockey player, I don't even understand that, to be totally honest. Like the first time you get body checked, you're going to dislocate a hip, but whatever. Baseball, okay, that makes a little more sense. Everyone plays baseball. Anybody can do it. But it was, somehow was maybe more pathetic. He, They showed him hitting the ball. Well, him throwing the ball was normal. They showed him pitching. Yeah, he probably throws heat. The guy's seven four. If I, I tell you this all the time, if I was like six two, I would have played Division One baseball. I would have thrown eighty eight on the black, just gas, off speed, untouchable, whatever. But this guy, yeah, he throws smoke. I'm sure he's seven foot four. It's impossible. The guy's a human like pendulum. He's a human physics problem for torque and like leverage. 
I'm sure he throws the ball fast, but his hitting, his hitting, they 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 broke up the clip. So the first half of the clip, the pitch is coming in, and you see him like load up to blast it, and then it paused, and then they like cut two minutes later, cut back, and he's hitting it, and we're like, oh man, this dude's about to, he's seven four, like playing high school baseball. This this is gonna be a moonshot, and it's on his highlight tape. They're showing during the game, this thing's going like fifteen rows back. The ball comes in, and he just hits like a soft dribbler to the shortstop. Who made this guy's highlight tape? And whoever it is should be fired. I don't know if that's his PR guy, his parents, his best friend, uh, some kid at his high school that like is in the video club. I don't know. But whoever made the highlight tape should be embarrassed. That was like a low light tape. They showed him, for his example of playing hockey, they showed him skating around with nobody else on the ice, which like... I feel like 80% of the population can do. So why the why is that impressive? And why does that prove that he plays hockey? And for his baseball highlight tape, out of all the times he's hit a baseball, all the swings he's taken in his life, they showed him hitting a soft dribbler to the shortstop. Who's responsible for this guy's highlight tape? You're like, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. They showed it. They're like, how, how unbelievable is that? He's seven foot three. And he plays baseball and hockey. Oh, but don't watch the video because they, he actually sucks at both. Terrible. Whoever his media guys, his parents, I don't know. Terrible. Please go back to the lab. Get a new highlight tape. I hope to God for this kid's sake that they don't show that highlight tape every single time Purdue plays. Like, I don't know if it's like, oh, they figured, oh, Michigan State, it's the Super Bowl for Purdue. There's going to be a big audience. Like, today's the day we'll show Edie's fucking mixtape. Or if it's every time Purdue plays, they're like, all right, and mixtape. Like, cue it in. I hope that's not the case because this dude, like, it's just a bad look. Your baseball clip is you hitting a fucking dribbler to the shortstop, brother. Like, if you – I don't care if you're high school, middle school. I don't care if you're in the big leagues. If you make a baseball highlight tape, it better just be missiles and nothing but on that thing. Like, you think Mike Trout highlight his high school baseball tape has him grounding out? No fucking chance. All it has is him hitting ding-dongs and missiles and seeds. Like, anyway, anybody on anybody on any D1 basketball team that played baseball in high school, you think when they talk about them showing other, playing other sports during the middle of their broadcast – they're like, and check out this like bunt that he popped up to the pitcher and cost his team the game. No, they're like, look at that. He put it over the fence. What an animal. Like, use your brain. Whoever's compiling the video, use your brain. And Edie, I don't know, maybe they didn't show it to him before the game. Maybe he had no idea that that ever happened. But like you watched that video and you were like, yeah, that's that's a good clip. Bro, come on now. Like have a little bit of respect for yourself. I, I hate to be that guy, but like we're making funny the whole second half of the game. Like we're kind of just making fun of you because they included a highlight tape of you stinking a baseball. Anyways, I digress. It was just I, I couldn't believe my eyes, to be totally honest with you. We were my friends and I were like dumbfounded that they really just showed this dude fucking stinking at baseball. Like as I don't know, a way to like pump him up. It was weird. Anyway, second half. So we come out, we're up 31-16. Going into the second half, in my head, I'm like, I mean, it's not over, obviously, technically. But in my head, I'm like, I mean, this game's fucking over. Like, A, 
They can't score. Well, A, it looks like one of those nights where State decided to play defense, and I've said it on here before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it forever. Nights that MSU decides to play defense are nights where it's like, I don't think we'll lose to anybody. Nights that we play defense, it's like, yeah, well, no shit, we're really good. All it takes is us playing defense, which we refuse to do for 80% of the time for some reason. But when we do, we're elite. And I was, all right, yeah, it's one of those nights. It's one of those nights. Big man doesn't matter. He, he can't do anything. Outside shot doesn't matter. Driving, like we were tipping balls, steals, blocks, everything. Like we were just being chaotic. We were like a swarm of locusts on defense. Just like, don't locusts like destroy wood products? Maybe termites. We're a swarm of termites. And and Purdue was like a, a world-renowned carpenter. Like you just built that table yesterday. Guess what? We've already gnawed off three of the legs. We're a swarm of termites. That's all we were doing. Their whole offense was making a pristine wooden object. Ours is destroying it and decapitating it before it can even get off the ground. We were a swarm of termites in the first half, and I was like, okay, so second half, it's going to be more of the same. They're not going to score. We'll we'll keep humming along. There was no reason to think the offense was going to go stagnant. And to be totally honest, that's what lost us the game is the offense quit. We scored 23 points in the second half. Another high school or middle school number, like 23 and a half. Come on now. Come on now. 23 and a half. Come on, boys. Aaron Henry, like you should, you alone should not allow that to happen. So the defense, I mean, they did score 39 in the second half, which also not a good defensive half. But if we have a relatively normal offensive half, like third. Michigan State, you should score 30 points every single half of every single game of every year or season. I don't care who's on the team. You're Michigan State. You should score 30 points every single half you ever play. 23 is unacceptable. Besides that, defense wasn't great. 39, also unacceptable. Too much, too much. But here's where I here's where my issue is. Izzo, what, like... That Travion Williams guy, I think he had like two points in the first half or something, or zero maybe. He didn't do shit in the first half. He's their best player. He's the guy. Their whole offense, if you watch the game, their whole offense relies on one play. Put that guy on the post, give it to the dude on the arc right in front of him, and they just dump it into him on the post. That's the only thing they do offensively. And occasionally, Travion Williams will pass it out for a three or like a cut or whatever. Their whole offense, dump it to him in the post, and 99% of the time he's going to just shoot it. Tom Izzo, he has he either had 24 or 26 points in the second half. So, okay, let's say the first, like, first half of the second half. All right, he's playing well now. He's starting to figure it out. He wasn't going to stay cold forever. Fine. At this point, State still has the game in control. But you can tell this Williams guy is becoming sort of unstoppable. And we keep, for some reason, this is where Izzo lost the game. He keeps putting Malik Hall and Joey Hauser on him, two guys that are far too undersized, two guys that throughout the entire second half proved they can't guard him. Like, I love Joey Hauser. I love Malik Hall. They're just too little. Like, the guy's like 6'11 and built like a refrigerator. Malik Hall's like 6'7, dude. He just can't guard him. I'm sorry. He just can't guard him. And these guys are showing you that he's too little to guard him. Travion Williams' whole game is, okay, dribble, dribble, jump hook. Dribble, dribble, jump hook. Dribble, dribble, jump hook. 
Malik Hall, you putting Malik Hall on him doesn't all of a sudden make him say, oh, shit, this guy's in on me? Like, I can't shoot this anymore. Instead, it's actually quite the opposite. He's like, oh, wow. I thought Izzo was like a Hall of Fame coach. He just keeps leaving these short guys to guard me. I'm going to score 40 points in the second half. Like, Izzo's inability, and it, and that is what costs us the game. Their best player, who we knew would cause matchup problems on our undersized bigs, showed up in the second half, dominated the game, and he won Purdue the game. And Izzo refused to make an adjustment. Once he saw, okay, this guy's starting to take this game over, and the guys I keep putting on him clearly, clearly can't do the job. And I don't think it was a matter of effort or a matter of, I don't know, like staying locked in defensive IQ. It was just a matter of Malik Hall's like 6'7", and this guy's 6'10". It's a matter of Joey Hauser's 220 pounds, and this guy's like 250 pounds. Like, that's what it was. You have to make an adjustment at some point. You have to make an adjustment at some point. You're Tom Izzo, dude. You, If I'm watching on my couch – and it's not just me. It's like everybody who's a state fan. If you were on Twitter after the game, you saw it. Anybody who's a state fan, anyone watching this game, by ten the 10-minute ten mark in the second half recognized, okay, this guy's dominating us. So maybe we should take the super small bigs off the floor. Maybe if you want Hauser in for the offense, leave Hauser in, but you need the other guy to be a physical, one of our physical guys, i.e. Julius Marble, i.e. Matty Sissoko. Bingham's a little thin, but Bingham had a great first half. Bingham's long. He'll maybe be able to affect the shot. Like one of those three guys has to be the guy that's in. You have to be, you have to go more physical. You have to go just with the guy who I don't care if maybe he'll be like a Sissoko will be a little bit out of position here and there. I don't care if maybe he doesn't bring as much or can't create for himself on offense or whatever the shortcomings of Sissoko are. At some point, the guy who can play offense and the guy who does know where he needs to be, he's getting physically dominated. It doesn't matter that he knows where it needs to be because when he gets there, he's too little and he's too small. At some point, you got to say, Maddie Sissoko, you're fucking a freak of nature. You're like two human beings put together. You got to guard the guy, body his ass. If you need to follow him, follow him. Body his ass, no easy buckets. Keep those hands up, make him shoot over you, make it difficult. How did Izzo not make that adjustment? Like, I... I'm still sitting here wondering how he didn't make that adjustment. It was so obvious. And it's not – in the past, Purdue's had guys like Carson Edwards where the guards will hurt you a little bit, or that uh, other dude, number one, Vince Edwards. Well, they'll, they'll have guards that hurt you and will toast you if you don't play well. It was just this fucking guy. Like, there was no – sneakiness, no secret, no weird strategy Purdue had going on. It was just, oh, we have an NBA guy, an NBA size guy playing the five. They have a dude who would like maybe start at Clarkson High School right now. I'm going to just like give it to the way fucking bigger guy who will push him under the rim and just lay it in every time. How do you not make that adjustment if you're Izzo? I don't care how much you love Hauser. I love Hall too. I don't care how much you love Hall. I don't care how much you love Kithier. You have to be able to recognize they just can't get it done in that scenario. Maybe against that Edie kid who's super thin and a little less experienced, they can get it done or they can suffice. This guy, this Trivian Williams guy, knows they're not on his level. He knows he's dominating. He could smell blood in the water. And he fucking dominated the second half. And Tom Izzo did nothing to stop it. 
Nothing. He did nothing to stop it. He didn't even make an effort to try to get in his way, to try to alleviate what was going on. He just was like, all right, fuck it. He bent over and just let him do it. It was, it's embarrassing. Honestly, it was embarrassing to watch. I don't know, man. I, I, again, the people and their fucking people saying Izzo's washed, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. We do this every year with Izzo. Like, I'm sure I'm still, this team will be okay. They're not going to be what we thought. The four Pete's gone. They're not on that level. Not even fucking close, but I think they'll still make the tournament. I, I refuse. I refuse to believe that Rocket Watts is never going to fully figure it out. Aaron Henry's been playing well as of late, especially offensively. But man, Tom Izzo, like that was such a winnable game. And that's a game where you, even though you lost a lot of momentum because you blew that whole lead in the second half and you just got outclassed in the second half, if you still somehow sneak off with that win, then it's like, all right, win's a win, survive in advance. Listen, we got off to a bumpy start. We're, we just won a couple close games. That Nebraska game was a tough game. We just we dominated a good team of Rutgers, and we just won a close game against Purdue. You get back to three and three, going into Iowa Thursday, and you say, "All right, we didn't play well at the start. Fuck that. That never happened." You you do the the Men in Black memory loss. I, those games never happen. We're three and three. Let's go beat Iowa. Let's get back on track. We're still in the Big Ten hunt now. You kill all the momentum losing that game. And you just – you gave the game away is what really bothers me. It wasn't that – like a, like a Tyrese Maxey against Kentucky last year, Anthony Edwards. You didn't have a guy who was just pulling up from 30 feet and nailing threes left and right where it's like, you know, shit happens kind of thing. You enabled Travion Williams to just dominate, dominate the entire second half. And then don't even – that fucking last play. First off, how does all that bounce – like all the b- luck go Purdue's way? Like that ball's bouncing around. They somehow get a jump ball. Of course, the guy misses the second free throw. And, of course, for some reason, Tom Izzo leaves his two worst rebounding big men in the game. He leaves Malik Hall and Joey Hauser on the low blocks. The two worst rebounding bigs we have. Put in Bingham and put a marble right there and just say, go up and grab the fucking ball. Honestly, or just put Aaron Henry on the low block. Like, I give me Aaron Henry getting a rebound over either of those two guys, over either Hauser or Hall. Like, you got to have a sense of the moment, dude. Put a guy there and tell him to get a rebound. Tell him to get a rebound. The Malik Hall play where he inbounded it and threw it off rocket, call a timeout, whatever. I'm not going to pin it on that. Izzo, man, you're supposed to know better. Malik Hall's allowed to fuck up. You're supposed to know better. You got to put rebounding bigs in the game in that situation. You absolutely have to. And besides, Marble and they're not Hauser from the line, Marble and Bingham, but they'll make a free throw. I'm sure they'll make one. You have to put a rebounding big. And once the jump ball goes Purdue's way and there's, what, five seconds left and they have the inbound play to take the lead, Everybody and their goddamn mother knows the ball's going to Travion Williams close to the basket. Guess what they do? Tom Izzo, again, even though we're on defense, leaves in his two smallest, least physical guys that have been getting dominated by Williams all half. Leaves them in. Williams tips the ball to himself, hits a little flip shot. Henry misses the layup at the other end game. 
Oh, man. So disappointing because two things. A, I think if we win that game, even though it was an epic collapse and I would not have felt good about the win, a win's a win. We're at three and three. I'm all in on Iowa Thursday, and then we beat Iowa. It's like, who can't we beat? But the reason that game was so disappointing is the main thing. Like I said, it wasn't like like they had a they had some dude who just hit 10 threes and was hitting these ridiculous shots. It was just we knew what was happening. We knew at least an attempt to fix it, which would be alternate the other bigs in there, and Tom Izzo refused. Tom Izzo refused to play a big that wasn't named Hauser, Kithier, Hall in the second half. He, he just didn't do it for some reason. Even though the guys he was playing clearly, clearly did not have what it took to get the job done. That's what's the most frustrating is it feels like Tom Izzo just gave that game away and it was a pivotal. It's not the first game of the season. It's not just a random game. He gave away a pivotal game in our Big Ten season and in a game that had a lot to do with our momentum. And maybe the worst part is we're going to play bigger, better big men than that. We got to play Luca Garza on Thursday. Is Tom Izzo just going to like bend over and say, here, here, just score 70 on us, Luca. I'll, let me just put Tom Kithier on you all game. Have your way with him. Like, just don't do anything to me. Is that what we got to play Kofi Coburn? We got to play Hunter Dickinson at Michigan? Like, what the fuck's going to happen when those guys play us? Izzo's inability to adjust to what seems like a pretty fucking easy thing to fix. Like, it's not like they're running the weave Harlem Globetrotter triangle offense. They're just saying, hey, enormous guy, go stand by the basket, and then they throw it to him, and then he turns around and shoots it in. That's all. It's not fucking NBA. It's not Kevin Durant hitting you with four crossovers and then hitting a jump shot. It was pretty simple, and the solution was, Okay, take out the guy who's too little and put in a guy who's bigger and see if he can't do it. If he, if that if we would have done that, we would have tried Suzoko and Williams still had his way, fine. But he just didn't. And it's like, bro, you're it's like Caesar watching Rome collapse. Brother, you're watching the game fucking slip away. And you can't you have the ability to try to stop. Why aren't you doing something? Oh my god, she was infuriating works me up thinking about it because it was such a bad job by Izzo, so poorly coached, no adjustments made. It's very, very aggravating, and I'm very disappointed in him. It is what it is, I guess, though. Um, and again, like 23 points. The squad should have bailed Izzo out. 23 points is unacceptable. Like what? I think we shot like 14% in the second half or something just unheard of. I mean, we shot 39% from the field, although they shot 34% and 23% from three. Shot per- oh, both our percentages were better than them. Shot more free throws at a higher free throw percentage. They got more rebounds, another anti-Izzoism. Way more. They got nine more offensive rebounds, big time the opposite of what happens to Izzo teams. 14 turnovers for us, of course. I mean, we turned it over in the second half, too. The refs kind of brought them back by calling every single movement an offensive illegal screen on us. But shit happens, I guess. I don't know. I thought Izzo just did a really bad job of making an adjustment, and it was like – it's not like it came out anywhere. I mean, it happened all half, and he just 
like let it fucking happen. I don't know if he was trying to do like a, one of those, oh, let the players figure it out for themselves, like baptism by fire kind of thing, or if he had money on Purdue or if he wasn't paying attention or what, but he was terrible. He was terrible. One of the worst Izzo games I've seen since Syracuse, which that's the thing. And I've defended Izzo somewhat because in theory, that Syracuse game, you know, which one Jaron and Ben Carter, at least Ben Carter, like, you know, he could pass. We just missed a million shots. This one, it made no sense. This one, it was, he willingly was like, Oh, this guy's way bigger than our guys. Okay. Well, maybe they'll grow. If I, if I leave them in longer to get scored on more, maybe they'll like grow four inches irresponsible, but is what it is. I guess as far as the dogs go now, I don't know. I mean, I, the four P was off the table when we went zero and three. Now it's, now it's just totally off. I mean, we, the team is so inconsistent offensively, like 54 points guys. Come on, man. We have so many talented players. We got to be hitting at least 60. It feels like we never get any easy buckets anymore. And and I realize now that was all Cassius Winston. Like we never have big men just laying it up or, or getting an easy dunk or like a wide open, I don't know, like three-footer. We never have easy shots. It's always mid-range jump shots, threes, contested layups. Like we never have easy shots. I don't know, man. The offense has been terrible, but. That's all I got. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. I guess we'll see what happens Thursday against Iowa. Quick break, and then when I come back, we'll do uh, like 20, 30 minutes on the Bachelor episode. All right, I'll be right back. Okay, Bachelor time. Um, I have to be honest. My my Bachelor, my fellow compatriots of the Bachelor, <laughs> I don't know what Bachelor Nation, that's corny as shit though what i feel like there's got to be something better i can call them i don't know my bachelorettes my fellow bachelorettes but i'm not a female i don't know i'll figure it out i guess anyways i have to be honest i didn't pay the closest attention to this episode like usually bachelorette time i'm locked in sadly this past monday as you may know the national championship college football was on that had my priorities. That and I was playing a ferocious amount of Mario Kart. That had my attention. I did not watch The Bachelor. I watched it today, which is Tuesday. You'll hear this on Wednesday. While I was working out, no big fucking deal. I like to stay healthy. I like to get ripped. It's whatever. Don't like make me a saint for it. But that being said, I did not pay as much attention as I probably should have. Although my bi- I I... I didn't think it was like a crazy episode, right? Like, I think that's pretty fair to say. Not a lot happened. I mean, the first, the first rose ceremony, like, I didn't even know who anyone was yet. So it's not like, oh, wow, I can't believe this happened. I didn't even know any of these people that went home anyway. So see ya. I don't care. Get out. Biggest takeaway, though, like before we even get into it, my biggest takeaway of this episode and I don't know how it couldn't be everyone's biggest takeaway. This Victoria girl is absolutely like he, she's a lunatic. This Victoria girl's nuts. She's got something off. She, I keep saying stray jacket, like basketball defenses. She needs to be put in a stray jacket, straight jacket for her own insanity. I don't know if I know the producers, the bachelor's a very producer heavy written show. I get that. I'm not an idiot. I, I'm thinking there's no way this chick actually is real without the producers like, Hey, Victoria, 
like, okay, so you know how you brought the Tiara Night one? We're going to kind of run with that, the queen thing, except Game of Thrones, did you see that? They became the Mad Queen. Like, that's kind of going to be you. You're just going to be, like, kind of crazy. I don't know. Maybe you're a great lady. Maybe, like, you work in a puppy shelter and all that stuff. For this episode or season of The Bachelor, like, you're going to be a crazy girl. Sorry. That has to be her deal. That has to be that she was coerced by the producers. There's nobody alive that acts the way this Victoria girl acts. She's literally fucking crazy. A, she's just make when she got mad at Marianne or Marilyn, whatever her name was, and she ratted to uh, Matt about <laughs> that was fucking hilarious too. When she ratted to Matt about her, like that was just made up, right? The way she talks, she's like, "I'm like the queen, dude. Shut up. Are you f- are you serious? You're a real person. There's no possible way that that is a real human being. There's no possible way." That when she's not on the Bachelorette or Bachelor, she like walks around wherever California. She has to be from California. There's no way she walks around California like speaking to real people like that. She goes to the farmer's market and is like, I'll have six cucumbers, but if they're not perfectly green, I won't pay for them. Like there's no chance that she does that in real life, right? Did she have parents? Maybe I'm being a little insensitive. Maybe she, her parents, you know, a little bit of a tumultuous relationship. Maybe she wasn't brought up in the most sturdy morality wise household, which is fine. And if that's the case, I apologize. But if that is the case, like, please tell me that's the case. Like, can we get a fucking flyer on that being the case? Cause you're nuts lady. This chick's insane. What is she talking about half the time? She's making shit up. It feels like anytime she speaks, I'm like, is that even real? Did that actually happen or no? Because it feels like you're just lying. And the other thing, I don't care what she's saying. I don't care if she like could solve world hunger or like could could fix the overpopulation problem on earth, fix homelessness. I don't care if she had the solution to any of these problems. When she opens her mouth, I'm like, oh my God, Victoria, I'm going to rip my ears off my head. If you say another syllable, that's how much I can't stand your voice. Like it is the most like stereotypical entitled, like California delusional doesn't live in the real world girl voice. I've heard in my entire life. It's a voice where if she's, she's the bad girl in a movie, she's like the sisters. What's the Cinderella or a Cinderella story with the, uh, with Hillary Duff, she's like the two sisters combined, mixed with the mom. She's like all, that whole side of the family mixed into one person. She's the fucking worst. I'm sorry. And Victoria, if you're listening to this, you're the worst. I don't. If you actually act like that, please change how you act because you stink. Nobody likes you. I promise you that. She's going around like, oh my god, they're killing my energy. Like that's toxic, bitch. You're the one that's toxic. You're going around making stuff up about everybody. Also, also at like the first, like 30 minutes of the episode, it's like the girls discover the new house, which is nuts, by the way. I'll get to that in a second. They discover the new house and she's like, oh my God, I wasn't in a sorority. Like I don't live with other girls. And she's like saying this to the girls. She's like, I don't like want to live with you guys and hang out with you guys. It's like, dude. Like, have a little bit of feel for the moment here. A, can we fucking have a champagne toast to love before we start going at each other's throats? And B, 
you're going to have to live with these 18 or however many girls anyways. So like making them all hate you by being like, oh my God, I don't need to live with you guys right off the bat. Probably not the best strategy. I've never been on The Bachelor. I've never been on The Bachelorette. So I guess I don't know for sure, but it's probably not the best strategy. I don't know what her deal is. I really would be interested. I'm actually kind of surprised. This is the first time I've thought about it. I should like find this girl's Instagram and see if she posts stories or like see if she ever speaks on her Instagram because there's just no possible way she acts how she does in the show. There's no possible way. She's literally, she's literally like a made-up 2002 rom-com villain. I swear to God, that's what she is. She does it well, though. Um, that all being said, she's the worst person in the world and all that stuff. I'm so happy she's on this season of the show. I'm so happy she's here. She's what makes The Bachelor great. I said it last season. Or um, not last season, but the season of The Bachelorette. She's what makes this show so great. Like, when you get the beef between the contestants, sure, when the, the, the person falling in love and going to these cool places and doing these cool things and flying biplanes is great. That's so great. But the best part, the reason the bachelor is like a crack pipe. I just keep coming back for more is watching these contestants fight with each other. It's fucking hilarious to watch like these grown ass people who probably have dope jobs, probably are going to just be Instagram famous after this all are super hot. And they're like, you suck. (laughs) It's so funny and just watching them act ridiculous. It's hilarious. I've said it before. That's why I do the bachelors making fun of these people who are undoubtedly cooler than me, undoubtedly more successful than me, undoubtedly have so much more going for them in life. They'll never have there. They'll never be able to take away me turning them on the TV and being like, I can't believe these people act like this. (laughs) I love it. She's what makes the bachelor great. So while she might be the most, obnoxious human being to ever live. And I still kind of don't really believe that she acts like that in real life. I couldn't be happier that she's here because she is what makes me love the bachelor anyways. So first things first, I mentioned it. they go, they're in this new house, this new mansion. And, um, I can't remember. What is it? Neil, Neil clip or something like Neil clip. I don't even know what it was. It's some weird name. Um, but it looks incredible. They film this in the fall. Clearly the leaves and shit. Like, why don't they do this more? Usually the bachelors in like LA, I feel like, or not LA, but like uh, California area or Cancun where it's like warm and stuff like that. Why are we not spending more time or filming more seasons of the bachelor in August? I mean, in like September, October, the trees around this place are unreal. This, this place, like I wouldn't go there to fall in love. Like I'll go there. I'll clean up after the girls, if I can just like live at this place for a couple months, it looks unbelievable. So I'm very jealous of everyone that filmed and worked on this season that got to go there. I don't know why they don't do it more. I feel like the whole summer pool, all that shit's kind of played out on the bachelor a little bit. I kind of like how they're mixing it up going with an autumn theme for this season. I like it a lot. Also side note related to the autumn theme. I noticed this one. I think her name was Sarah. They went on the biplane date where they fly around. I love how everyone wears when they're outside doing shit. They wear like autumn colors. Like she was wearing a dark orange jacket and Matt was wearing like an orange brown sweater. I love it. They're just wearing autumn gear. It makes me autumn's my favorite season. I think for like 90% of the people that live in Michigan, autumn's up there. It's fucking great. So I like that. They're just giving me all the nostalgia. They're fully diving in to the fall environment, which I enjoy. 
All right. So the first thing, I can't remember which was first. Either the one-on-one date with Lauren, I think her name was. I can't remember. Or the group date. Like I said, can't really remember. Either way, I guess we'll start with the group date. Big ups to Chris Harrison. Big ups. To, I I can't compliment this guy enough, man. He just, he know he knows me. Chris Harrison knows what it takes to push my positive buttons. That date where they're like hitting each other with paintballs and shit. That's a great date, Chris. That's what it's all about, man. Like those, those are Hall of Fame bachelor dates. Like we don't need awkward, like the making out. I guess they got to do it. I've never been a fan of like the weird, like let's make out in front of everybody stuff. I don't even like doing that in real life. <laughs> not, that I, not that I'm making out with a ton of girls all the time. The quarantine's been tough. Fellas, you know what I'm talking about. It's been a long few months, but I've never been a fan on the bachelor when they do that. It's super awkward. I, I get that. They're like trying to make it awkward and shit, but I don't know. It's weird. Even in real life. It's like, ugh. anyways, but if you're gonna if you're gonna saw that in half with all these girls throwing paint at each other and like getting a little physical, fucking amen, dude. Are you kidding me? That like I would love to partake in that day, and I would never throw a paintball at a girl. I would never. I wouldn't even think of it. Are you kidding me? How dare you? How dare you insinuate that? But if Matt James is there and and you know we're throwing paintballs at each other, and it's autumn. Fuck it. I might throw a couple of paintballs at a couple of girls. Who's going to find out? No one's ever going to find out. I mean, that looked like a fun date. That looked like a fun date. I think even for the girls, they're like, oh, I'm exhausted and complaining because, of course, they're just these chicks that are being comped an absurd trip with the most attractive human beings on earth to this incredible place are complaining about like playing a, a game. Of course they are. Um, I would love to play that game. I would love to play that game. Like, I don't know. It just looked fun. Like that's like some shit. I wish we did in gym class, honestly. So credit to Chris Harrison. Great date. And then they get into the, uh, the chicks go home and they're all sad, whatever, who cares? See ya. He lost. And then they get into the, um, the group date and they only show, Oh, that's what it was. Actually. Wasn't Lauren, the girl who got the rose that was from who's, yeah, the girl who got the rose, that was from the group date, actually. Yeah, that wasn't even a one-on-one. The only one-on-one was Sarah on the biplanes, now that I'm thinking about it more, right? Am I right? I think I'm right about that. I wish there was someone here to like tell me I'm right or wrong. But after the group date ends, all they show is Matt talking to her. And then, obviously, he ends up giving her the rose because he really likes her, and they make out, which is fucking great. I actually liked her a lot. I... Again, this is where it kind of haunts me where I said I was like working out, half paying attention, half not because it was like they're just talking for like 10, 15 minutes of the show. It's just them talking and having this deep conversation. And I'm kind of like not totally listening. Um, but I do remember I liked her. She seemed like a nice lady. I'm always a fan. You'll you'll find a theme with me. I'm always a fan of the girls or the guys, whatever, that seem like real people that seem like their life wasn't Instagram before this, if that makes sense, or or don't seem like they're planning on their life becoming Instagram. Like this Lauren girl, she seemed like a normal girl. Like she seemed nice down to earth, not obsessed with the idea of 
being on the bachelor and all that stuff, which I enjoy. Um, and then yeah, just be a nice person and all that good stuff made me like her. Also, Matt seems like a great fucking guy. I know I was complimenting him the first episode. If you didn't listen to that one, go listen, but I didn't know who Matt James was before this. This guy is awesome. Like I am a huge fan of this dude. Thank God. Thank God. Because for me, the bachelor is very, I love, obviously I love all the girls and the drama with girls is hilarious, but it is very dependent on the guy. Like I've said before, like pilot Pete season, I was like, this dude is a fucking turd. I can't watch this guy. This dude's a zero. It's, I can't get invested in these people's relationships and I can't get invested in these people beefing with each other over a guy. When I look at the guy and I'm like, this fucking guy, this is who we're arguing over. This is who we're telling him that she made you sleep on the couch for this guy. This dude's a loser or maybe not a loser, but like, what's so great about this guy flies for Delta. Like you're going to get unlimited sky miles. Like what? So I'm glad Matt is a guy. Hey, the dude's jacked out of his mind, which how do they always find dudes that are just completely ripped? I don't know. Guy's jacked out of his mind. So boom, respect. Cause that's, I can't do that shit. Well, I probably could, but maybe, I don't know. It would take way more dedication than I'm willing to offer. And B, he seems like a very nice guy. Seems like he's actually a caring, like genuine guy. I know unlike most people, he wasn't in the bachelor universe before this, which I think helps probably helps the fact that he doesn't have a huge ego. The fact that he's not like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm Matt James. I'm the bachelor where he's more like, again, normal guy probably is used to a regular life rather than like posting shirtless pics on Instagram for 20 K stuff like that. And yeah, he does seem nice. I think he's kind of funny. Like he's, he, he'll have, he's not the funniest guy in the world, but he has some clever moments. I think he's good at like carrying a conversation and shit. So I like the guy I'm into Matt James, not like that, but I am into him as a fan of the show. Um, I like Matt James, <laughs> but anyways, so Lauren, they have a date, they make out, she gets the rose, yada, yada, yada. Another funny moment was when um, he goes, or uh, yeah, he goes to get the rose from the table and all the girls are sitting there and that Victoria ch- chick's like, <laughs> she says so much dumb stuff. It's crazy. She's like, oh, I guess I didn't, like, I really thought I was going to get that rose today. Like, I thought I stood out because she was doing the weird, like, um, thing on her leg. I can't remember what that thing's called. Like the bow on her leg and like making out with him and shit, which also he did not look into. Can't blame him. But she's like, oh, that's so weird. Like I really thought I was going to get the rose. I'm like, dog, why the fuck did you think you were going to get the rose? Who gave you that impression? And whoever it is, stop listening to them because they're also an idiot. Like you thought you were going to get the rose? There's no chance. There is, there is no chance that Matt James is into this girl. There just isn't a chance that that's possible. No fucking, I like, I literally refuse to believe that he's into her. No way, dude. There's no way that's possible. According to the end of the episode, it looks like we might end up finding out because I can't remember her name again. Fucking what else is new? The Asian girl was it Michaela or Marilyn. I think it's Marilyn. Um, <laughs> Queen Victoria pretty much goes to Matt and is like, Marilyn was really mean to me. And like, I had to sleep on the couch outside. So Matt's getting to the bottom of it. 
there's no way he picks Victoria over Maryland. Like she opens her mouth and you know, she's a liar. She screams liar. She seems crazy. There's no way he picks her. I will find out next episode, I guess, but there's no fucking way. Um, and then oh, what was that? There was something else I wanted to add about them too, about the Maryland. Uh, oh, that would be such a fun part of the bachelor. I feel like they don't, I don't know. They definitely don't televise it enough, but the bachelor and the guys who are actually the, like you're the person, they don't talk about it enough. That would maybe be my favorite part is just like putting on my Sherlock Holmes hat, just like sitting there and two girls tell me two different things. And I know one of them's lying. Just being like, all right, fucking, I didn't want to do this, but you just forced me put on a tweed jacket, put on one of those weird, like double-sided hats and grab out like a pipe. I'm going to fucking find out who's lying. That would be so fun to do because a nobody, if you ask any of the other girls, any other witnesses, you know, they're not going to lie to you because they're obsessed with you, even though they hardly know you. And B, you probably have footage. You can be like, Hey, Chris, like, can you just tell me what happened? Like you, you probably got some footage on your side. Like you got a lot of shit working for you. And also the show starts and stops when you say like, if you're like, hey, I'm going to take three hours and fucking talk, interrogate literally everyone here, get the heat lamp in their face, like, did Marilyn say this or no? That would be a great time. I don't know. Just, like, figuring out issues, figuring out problems, being Sherlock Holmes. Like, oh, shit, Victoria, you thought you could lie to me? You really thought you could lie to me? Oh, oh, no. No, I've watched all three of the Robert Downey Jr. movies and all six, all six seasons of the British Sherlock Holmes show. You thought you could lie to me. Oh, you were absolutely mistaken. There's no chance. And and I've seen the Benedict Cumberbatch ones too. So like go fuck yourself kind of thing. That would be great. That's my bird clock. I don't know if you can hear it. It's so loud and outdated and obnoxious. I don't know why my parents still have it. I don't know if you can hear it, but goddamn, it's annoying. But yes, I'm surprised they don't like talk about that more. Like the problems end up kind of just getting solved or they don't even really ask. Like, we'll see this. The episode ended at the rose ceremony and the girl collapses or Sarah's like, I'm going to faint and they end it before anything happens. But he doesn't. <clears throat> we never see Matt like go asking questions, interrogating. We never see any of that. I don't know if he's like just has a gut feeling one of them's lying. Probably quite easy to have the gut feeling that um, Victoria's lying because I get like everything I've said pretty much for this entire episode. But, like, why not just throw on the Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass for a few minutes and, like, fucking, bro, you're the bachelor. Like, get to the bottom of this. That'd be a fun time. Last part of the episode, I think, last major part is the one-on-one date, right? I think that's the last major part. Like I said at the beginning, really not a huge episode. Like, not a ton happened. The group date um, and then Victoria and Marilyn beefing and Victoria just being a dickhead the entire time. And then the one-on-one. The one-on-one cool date, I guess, um, biplane kind of wild that they were flying with the roof off. I didn't know, like, that seems kind of dangerous. What if, I don't know if what shit's in the air, I guess it's probably not much, but kind of crazy. Um, probably a very fun time, kind of jealous of them. Looked like a great time actually. Also, they never showed, they never showed the guy that was driving. Uh, it wasn't Matt James, I assume, but they never showed the guy. And I was like, Oh, that's, who is driving this? I was confused because they're like in a cockpit. I was like, are there two cockpits? Who is driving this? Besides the point. 
So pretty cool looking date. You get to go fly around all that shit. They're dressed in the autumn colors, which is great. Come back, have dinner and fireworks. Conversation gets very sad very quickly. That's got to be tough being the bachelor and you like, oh, you just flew around and you just have that. You got this great dinner and she's beautiful. Also, the Sarah chick. Woo. She is hot. I'm a fan of hers. But you just say, and how is she 24? How are there so many 24 year olds? Like, I'm going to turn 24 in four months. There's that many kids my age going on the fucking bachelor, dude. I'm in, I'm sitting in my parents' basement right now. How are these, how do they pull it off? But she is gorgeous. So Matt James has this phenomenal looking woman. She seems pretty cool too. I still like Abigail, who the de- who's the deaf girl. She's still my favorite personality and wise and shit. Um, but nonetheless, the Sarah girl seems nice. They just had a great day flying around, all that good stuff. Having a great dinner, I'd imagine. Having a few less. And she's like, oh, my dad has ALS. Like, awkward. <laughs> Obviously, this is, I don't want to laugh. This is tough. Because Matt's got to have the conversation and like very shitty thing for her, obviously probably the worst for her, her, her dad having ALS is definitely worse for her than it is for me or Matt James or Chris Harrison or you listening for sure. But that's got to be so awkward for Matt. Like you're just having a great time. His vibes are probably up. His energy's up. He's like, dude, this is, I'm just going to be the bachelor forever. I'm never going to pick one of these girls. He's probably loving it. Then she's like, oh Yeah this thing about my dad and he's probably like oh my god you had to tell me today oh shit this gonna wait <laughs> oh man that was kind of mean that was kind of mean but i had to say it that does have to kind of suck though the one downside like there are essentially no downsides to being the bachelor other than two things a if you get a boner like national television sees you getting a boner so that's probably kind of weird also like your parents i assume watch that shit which is weird and be like people telling you very uncomfortable, sad things. That was, that had to be sad. He handled it well and everything. Like, what can you say? He's like, Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. True. That's, that's very true. That's like the only true thing you could have said there, but still it's probably like, Oh, this is a buzzkill, but they fireworks and made out and uh, they love each other. All that good stuff. As far as, that's pretty much it for the show, right? Like I'm trying to think of anything else wild that happened. Just Victoria being a idiot. Also when Marilyn's like, can I talk to you? And she's like, (laughs) she like won't let her sit next to her. I thought that was really funny. I don't know why (laughs) she's just such a bitch to her. It's hilarious. She's like, okay, well I don't believe you because I don't like you. (laughs) Oh man. That made me laugh. She's so crazy. What is her deal? There's no way she's a real person. That was the highlight of the episode is when Marilyn goes to confront her and she's just, she quite literally is like the biggest bitch who's ever lived. I thought that was very funny and very entertaining. As far as early favorites, like I said, Abigail is my favorite so far, just because the first episode I was like, oh my God, this chick seems awesome. And they, I feel like they hit it off, which it's like, it's fun to watch that shit. Like it's, you know, you ever seen like it's fun or you enjoy watching someone do what they're passionate about kind of thing. Like when someone plays music and you watch them play, you're like, that's cool because like you can tell how much they love it kind of thing. Like you can feel the energy. Like when Matt was talking to Abigail in the first episode, I was like, oh man, these two, these, like she's going to be here for the long haul. 
I think she's a minimum a final three. I think she might win the whole goddamn thing. But you could feel when they're talking, I was like, oh shit, these two. Like I fucking am I feel God in this Wendy's or whatever. Jesus in this Applebee's right now. That's how I felt. So she's my favorite early. I still don't really know too many of them. One of them looks a lot like one of my friends for whatever that's worth. Don't know her name. Um, and then the Sarah girl, I thought she was cute. She seemed nice as well. Still an Abigail guy. The Lauren girl, I thought too, obviously good looking and nice as well. But I'm an Abigail guy through and through right now. We'll see. We'll see. Main storyline is Victoria might be the worst, but I hope because this Maryland girl's not going anywhere either. So like we can get her out. We can get her out this episode, keep Victoria around for another, you know, another swing around the block. My hope is we keep Victoria around just for like a little bit. One, at least one more week of turmoil and her being an absolute fucking moron on national television. Keep her around for at least one more week of that. And then if you want to get rid of her, fine. Obviously Matt, he's a smart dude. He has a brain that works. It functions. He gets out of bed every day. He understands like how to make oatmeal, shit like that. He's not going to pick Victoria. He he just won't do it. So it's not like she's a threat, but let's keep her around for some fun and games. Like let's stir up some goddamn trouble for a little bit with her, right? That's kind of where I'm at. That's like the main storyline. Let's keep Victoria around, stir up a little bit of trouble, and then let's send her home in like a week or two, right? That's everybody. Everybody leaves happy that way. Abigail's the early favorite for me, like my favorite, who I would pick, I guess. Um, but we'll see. I like Matt. It's been good so far. This place they're at, the middle of the fall, is incredible. I want to go there. I'm looking forward to the next episode. I hope more stuff happens in the next episode. I know it's early, and he's still kind of like making the rounds, meeting everyone, so it's tough for stuff to really start hitting the fan. But hope a little bit gets going. It felt like this one... You know, a lot of still just like basic surface level shit where it's like, all right, dude, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So we'll see. Anyways, I appreciate everybody listening per usual. Twitter at Nick Second String, Instagram at the period, second period string. Got some new Detroit pieces up there. They're fantastic. Male, female, everybody in between. You're going to love them. We got like pink, blue, orange, um, oatmeal, Heather technically is what the last one's called. They're very cool. Check those out at the second string.com. Um, and yeah, just let me know questions, comments, concerns. You got ba- bachelor questions, send them my way. I'll talk about them. I don't give a shit. Anyways, appreciate everybody listening. Hopefully, uh, I hope I'm not alone and kind of enjoying Victoria, like watching the world burn. I don't know why I get a kick of it, but anyways, I'll see you next week with some more bachelor until then tomorrow, Red Wings talk. And then Friday, we'll just get some random shooting the shit stuff. Appreciate everybody. See you tomorrow.